If you're not reaching your financial potential, you're going it alone as a solopreneur, or you're lacking fulfillment and meaning in your life, then this podcast is for you. In each and every episode, Rock helps you create breakthroughs and results so you can live life on your terms. So get ready to unleash more money, time, and magic in your life. Here's your host, Rock Thomas. Hey, welcome to another session of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life podcast. My name is Rock Thomas. I'm your host. And if you've been following me long enough, you know that I am the founder of M1, the mastermind group. This is a group of individuals that share common values in wanting to become successful, healthy, wealthy, and have rich relationships. But what does it mean to you? Well, it means there's a group of 400 people out there that maybe are achieving or have achieved the result that you crave. They're from all over the world, from all walks of life, but what they share is the practices of success and each and every day sharing their insights and their breakthroughs with each other, encouraging others to do the same thing. You see, you don't have to do it alone. I'm really proud of their success stories and I would love for yours to be the next one. If you are serious about getting out of your own way and creating a life you're excited about, then get on a call with one of my team members at rockthomas.com forward slash VIP call and get started today. You're really in for a treat today. And I know I probably say that almost every time, but this guy is like a brother from another mother. Grew up with a very, very similar upbringing to me, wanting to make his dad proud, struggling to make that happen living a little bit with his single mom, a stepdad, and looking for a way to make things better, a hunger for life, an obsession for things, wanting to be the best um, you know, son for um, his folks, even though he's got some strange relationships there, trying to be the best dad, really obsessed about being a great business person. And the insights that he has, I think you're gonna find really, really interesting. He's got a bunch of things that, um, that he's really compassionate and passionate about building other people. He believes you got to improve your ability to envision things. Communication can be improved dramatically and getting to a place where you're committed to be the best version of yourself and knowing you're going to have some haters along the way, you're going to have some people that are going to step off from that journey, but staying committed to being the best version of yourself. So, Please help me welcome what an amazing interview I have with none other than Mike C. Rock. What's up, Rock? How are you, man? You know, I feel like you're a brother from another mother. You had very similar, difficult childhood, different but similar. And it feels like you've come to some of the same conclusions that I've come to in that you want to help a lot of other people. You want to encourage people to step into their own greatness. I want to talk a little bit about that, but let's give us, you know, the listeners some background and some color as to your childhood and, and how that's affected your mindset today. Yeah, short story long. Um, I have never known my parents together. So when I grew up, I did the every other weekend thing with my parents, lived with my mom full time, go to my dad's every other weekend. And on those weekends, I would go there. My dad worked as a mason. So when the weather was good, he was always working. So I'd be at, at his parents' house my grandparents most of the time on those weekends. Uh, so I always craved attention and time for my dad because I didn't get to see him much and he was my hero. Uh, so at one point when I was eight years old, he was remarrying and 
I was at the age where I was looking for something new, I guess. And he invited me to, to dinner to try to sell me on the idea of moving in with him full time and going to my mom's every other weekend. And I think there was some ulterior motive there. I think it had to do with child support because if anybody's ever been through that parents arguing over child support and whether the money's going to where it needs to go and whether there's enough money being paid, uh, there was conflict there. And uh, as a kid, I was caught in the middle of that. And you start to, you know, you start to feel like you're the one that's causing the problem sometimes. So regardless, uh, you know, I went to dinner with my dad and his new wife and I got sold on moving in with him. I ended up breaking my mom's heart. Didn't really understand that at that age. I found out later she cried herself to sleep after that. Uh, nonetheless, she let me go. And for the next three years from eight to 11, I went through a lot of traumatic experience with not physical, but more emotional and psychological abuse. A lot of uh, my mom being talked about, you know, words that should have been, shouldn't have been said to an eight to 11 year old. And at some point when I was a 10 and a half or 11, I just figured that, that I had enough rock. I didn't know what the word culture meant at that time or know what that was, but I just knew that it wasn't a healthy environment. And I had it, something to contrast it to because I would go to my mom's every other weekend. And so I could see the difference. And my mom didn't have it that well off. I mean, you know, they had, they worked at DuPont. I don't know if you know that name of that company, mm -hmm. DuPont. Uh, her and my stepfather worked at DuPont. They didn't have the, the most money in the world. And we had a, you know, $30,000 house. We used to travel to the beach for our vacations on a, in a road trip. And we used to pack black hefty bags as our, as our suitcases. And so uh, that was always fun leaving the car to the motel that we would stay in carrying those, <laughs> those bags. I would pretend I was carrying trash. Um, so anyway, they didn't have it that well, but I could see the contrast in love and, and environment. And so I decided to let my mom know that I needed to get out of this environment. She sent court papers at some point to my dad and I came home from school one day and my dad had these envelopes in his hand and I'd already walked on eggshells enough in that household. You know, I was just, my stomach was in knots when I saw that. And he said, Hey, go in your room. I'll be right in. So I went and sat on my bed and I waited for him to come in there <clears throat> and keep in mind, my dad was my hero. He always had a wad of hundred dollar bills in his pocket and uh, he had a rubber band around him and he always used to show it to me. And, you know, to me, in my mind, that was like, that's how we got stuff. Like we got on, went on trips and went out to dinner a lot and, and we had things, we had a nice house and, you know, that's, that's just something that was a symbolism or a symbol, a symbol for me of getting nice things. So anyway, he came into the room and he said, Hey, you know, what's in this envelope? And I kind of played dumb. And uh, he said, you know, this says you want to move back with your mom. Are you sure you want to do that? And I, you know, you know, your mom doesn't have it that well. And then they would list all the things that they would always say during that three years that, that I shouldn't have been hearing as a kid. And I just manned up because my mom had told me stick to your guns because they're going to try to talk you out of it. And that's a lesson I still carry through to this day. Stick to your guns when you believe in something. And I said, yeah, I'm ready to move, man. I, 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 gotta, I just I can't be in here anymore. So he took out that wad of $100 bills I always looked up to him for. And he peeled a $100 bill off and crumpled it up and threw it at me and said, here, you're going to need to need this when you're living on the streets with your mother one day. And, you know, at that moment, I was crushed as an 11 year old kid, just like my hero just basically gave up on me. Are you kidding me? Is this really happening right now? That's what the stuff that was going through my head. And it's an event that take like 30 some 31 years ago still resonates with me. It's clear as day. And, you know, I thought to myself, okay, this is happening. And two things came across my mind. I'm not going to let you win. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to be a better father. I'm going to be a better husband. I'm going to be a better employer and business owner than you. I'm going to make more money than you. These are things that started going through my head, my stubborn, my stubborn ass, <laughs> stubborn to a fault. 
And then the other thing I thought to myself was I can't be the only one this is happening to. There's got to be somebody else that's been given up on by their father or someone else in their life. And I'm going to be a role model to those people. And I know it sounds weird at 11 year olds to be thinking like that, but it, it's so true because when I was done that and I, I went from that day forward and when I went through the child psychologist to see if that was mature enough to make a decision to live with my mom and the court and all that stuff, the awkwardness of a kid, I went through school, sports, extracurricular activities, anything I could do, I did it. And I tried to go hard, be a hustler, be the best because I knew that people were watching me. And they were going to see that after I was given up on that, I could proceed to excel. And so that's how I figured at that age, I was going to help people. As I've gotten older, Rock, I'm 41. No, I'm not 41. I'm sorry. I'm turning 43 Friday. <laughs> after you're 40, it doesn't matter anymore. I, I started realizing about, you know, once I got into the mortgage world and real estate, it's what I do now. I can help people with this, not just being a role model, but really trying to guide them and listen to their stories and, and help guide them and show them what I did. So that's where the What Are You Made Of movement is all about that I've, I've created in the podcast that I have. It's all about these questions. I start talking to myself. I, talk, I have voices in my head. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, I talk to myself and I make sure of, and I'm really careful what I say to myself. And What Are You Made Of is something that I use a lot when I get into tough times or if I don't feel like doing something or if I want to push things to the next level and not just stay with the status quo. I said, you know, come on, man, what are you made of? Look at the stuff that you've been through. And so that's a little background. Um, I, I hope that wasn't too long. No, it's great. And it's, mm -hmm. it's remarkably similar to my life story. My mom never made more than 20,000 a year. And my dad was the big man on campus. And so I can really relate to, you know, everything that you wanted to create and wanted to make your dad proud and that sort of thing. What kind of relationship do you have with your folks now? So uh, right now, uh, well, actually, when I moved to my mom's, I had a stepfather who stepped in just like I was his own kid. And I needed it that, at, at that age at 11. It was a very, very important time to have a man in my life showing me the ropes and being hard on me. And, and we call him George. <clears throat> George passed away a year ago uh, in January uh, suddenly. And, you know, George was a hard man, black and white, and right at the perfect time. I didn't like that he was hard on me at that time, to be truthful with you. I, I was, you know, it irritated me and this and that. But looking back, man, I'm so glad that he was there in my life. And he stepped up to be the man that my dad wasn't at that time. Now, my dad's relationship of mine is not on my doing. I'd reach out to him, say happy birthday to him, shoot a text message to him whenever I can, try to get, up, get a hold of him, and he never responds right now. And I think it has a lot to do with the life that he has right now. He doesn't want to disrupt it. And everybody has their reasons. And I, I'll give him a big hug if I saw him right now, no matter what happened in the past. And I've for, totally forgiven him. But again, uh, I'm not going to shy away from sharing this story because whether, no matter what the reason that he has to do this right now, this is my story. This is what I'm made of. And I want to help other people um, by sharing this. Other than being critical of your mother, were there any, any other circumstances that were abusive or neglective in the house for you? Yeah, so my dad's side of the family um, was totally cut off by, by my dad and his wife. And so I was here, I was used to going to my grandparents all the time when I was a kid. And all of a sudden, I wasn't allowed to see them anymore. And they, you know, there was a lot of shit talking, for lack of a better term, on all of my family, all of my dad's associations, all my family. And I think there was some jealousy maybe involved or some kind of insecurities that were, that were going on there. 
But I'll tell you, I, my grandfather drove a bus. When I was in elementary school living in my dad's house, I would go past his bus to my bus, and I was so scared to stop. And he always would call to me. And as an 8 to 11-year-old kid, I, was, I would just kind of keep my head straight because I was so scared of what would happen. Wow. So one day I actually gave in. He had a bag of candy that my grandmother sent. And I actually gave in and stepped up on the bus. And, man, my heart was beating. I remember this moment. I was so, like, so petrified. But I, I just felt like it was the right thing to do because he would beg me and beg me to come up the bus steps to come see him for a little bit so he could just give me a hug. And uh, <laughs> I haven't really talked about this much, man. This is a tough one. Um, what do you I, I think did that, you were that, afraid of? Uh, what, what was going to happen at home if it got found out? What let me tell happened? you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. Uh, I'll tell you exactly because I found out. I got stuck on the bus too long, and my bus left me. And <laughs> so I had the bag of candy, and I'm stuck on this bus. There's no cell phones back then. They had CB radios. When I, my bus showed up at the, uh, the house, I didn't get off of it. Of course, panic ensued, which rightfully so, they would be upset about that. Yep. But uh, so then I finally got home. My grandfather dropped me off from his bus after he dropped all all of his kids off. And man, I got it, boy. I got a whooping. And from again, your mother? From my no, it was my stepmom and my and my dad. So from your stepdad? Yeah, and and then the 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 verbal abuse of talking about the families again and and this and that and making me the the, the culprit again as an eight to eleven year old kid that I'm the bad guy and it was constantly like. I was trying to decipher in my mind all the time. Like, am I doing something wrong here? Is this normal? Cause I didn't know any different because if you think about a kid that's never known his parents together and did the, the custody thing, you think that's normal. Mm -hmm. And some of the abuse that you go through, you start thinking if, you know, what's normal, what's not, what's over the top, over the line, what's not. And I think that's a lot has to do with when people go through abusive situations, there's a lot of manipulation that goes on and you kind of try to have to filter through that and decipher what's over the line and what's not. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a hard thing for a kid that, that the grandparents never did anything wrong and you want to see your grandparents, you know? So these are some things that I went through as a kid. And I just thought about that, that you brought that up. And that's, uh, you know, that's, a, that's an emotional thing to think about. And, you know, grandparents don't stay around long, you know, as, as a kid, they, at some point they pass away, they get into their eighties and you waste, I wasted all kinds of time I could have spent with them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're in your forties now and what portion of the prove your father wrong have you been able to come to terms with while at the same time not be becoming obsessed and with success? If you, you understand the question? <clears throat> yeah. So first and foremost, I don't think there's a, a problem with being obsessed with success as long as you have it focused all in all aspects of your life. So for example, work's important to me. My career is important to me and I want success there and I'm obsessed with it. I'm also obsessed with being the best father and husband that I could possibly can be because then I write my goals down consistently daily. And one of the top things that I put on there is husband of the year. I am husband of the year to use your, I am. I actually write down, I am every time I am husband of the year. I am father of the year. And that's something that reminds me to constantly, you know, my kids are always watching me. And I want to be there for them as much as I am obsessed with work. I want to be obsessed with being an awesome father, awesome husband. Um, and then also for my health, I want to be an awesome diet, awesome physical, you know, animal. I write down, I'm 195 pounds and shredded and I'm an animal. Um, I write down all these crazy things. And you know what? I, I, you know, some people would be embarrassed to share what they write down and for their goals. 
But for my team and my sales meetings, I actually read my goals to my team so that they can feel like it's okay to do that. It's okay to say you are, right? Or I am. And so- Yes, uh, and I love the fact you're saying that because that's what this whole movement is about is, and so people understand the psychology behind it is that we want to remain consistent with how other people see us and how we see ourselves. So by making that declaration, you force yourself to show up that way. The interesting thing is that most people think it's boasting, but it's really a form of accountability. I do this, this, you know, a mini version. I have a mastermind group and I do every Wednesday morning at eight o'clock Eastern standard time, a half hour live motivational moment Been doing it for four years. The greatest thing about it, Mike, is that I have to show up with great energy, with something valuable to say, with an intention to transform lives. And it's the greatest accountability for me every week. I think, what's the next thing? I come across a lesson. I have something happen. I flushed my Tesla key down the toilet the day before the, the broadcast. And I use that, my response to it, as a, as a way that I've matured through meditation and yoga without getting upset. So you declaring this to your team is really a form of accountability. Would you agree with that? 100%. And you know what? Um, one of the things that, you know, I put a post up the other day and it said, I am a great man. And it was me in a suit. Right. And most people won't do that because they're afraid that people think that they're boasting, right? Like you said, right. boasting of cock, but what is wrong with thinking of yourself as a great person? Nothing. And you don't have to be the great person all the time. You're always working to be a great person right. and trying to prove, but to me, you have to think highly of yourself. And if anybody tells you other than that, they're talking about themselves. Yes. They're, they're worried about themselves and, and that's a problem. And so many people's dreams are crushed because of that. And uh, I, I, get a really, I get really annoyed by that. But then to, to speak on the Tesla key going down the toilet and the way you reacted, I've been talking to my wife about this recently and my kids too. When you react the wrong way, you are a puppet to that instance or that person that's causing you to be that way. And you're giving them control. And then I always ask people, do you really want to be a puppet? Do you want to be so-and-so's puppet? I don't. Now I'm the, I'm the biggest culprit with this. I have to work. Cause my kids, sometimes if I tell them something 15 times and they don't listen, I start to lose my shit <laughs> and I'm a human too, but I do better with it at times. Um, but when I start to not do better with it, and I start talking to them about it and saying, guys, listen, I'm letting you be my, like my puppet master. And I can't let you kids be that to me. So I'm not going to, so you guys are going to start listening. And when you don't listen, I'm just going to keep telling you over and over again. And I'm going to keep my cool. And uh, so then I'm trying to teach them a lesson as I go through it for me, myself, you know? Yeah. Well, I like what you said, the fact that we're always trying to be the best version of ourselves, and that's my goal and to be an inspiration to others. But I want to unpack a little bit the reason that people don't say I'm great or I'm awesome. And the shame that we live in in a society of not being enough. Most people do not have the awareness you have around the inner narrative to talk to yourself in a way that's supportive, encouraging, and challenging you to be the best. So what is your perspective on what happens when people stand up and say, I am great? What, what does the world do with those people generally? <clears throat> so personally, I'll talk personally what I've seen. So I have uh, partners in my mortgage uh, business that we have here. And when I started on this movement of the what are you made of movement, and I started a podcast and I started I, I, I became obsessed with getting known again, not for my ego. Cause I don't care about that. This is strictly to maximize our business and maximize the people that I can impact. 
with this movement. And I can't do that unless I get known and I'm obsessed with getting known, not just locally, but globally. And so I'm aiming globally. And I know if I take care of globally, the local market's not going to be a problem. So that's what's going through my head. But when I started doing that, I stopped originating loans and being a loan officer. And I was already running the company. So I didn't, I wasn't supposed to be originating loans anyway, right? My partners and the loan officers started looking at and saying, well, well, you're not pulling any credit reports. You're not taking any applications. And I said, guys, of course not. That's not what we're doing here. Here's the vision. Here's where we're going to go. And we can't go there with me being a loan officer in in the organization that I'm running. Now, if you guys have a problem with it and you don't want to do it, you don't want to be loan officers, you don't want to, and I'm just sharing this experience so you can Mm -hmm. relate, then you guys need to figure out people that you can hire and I'll help you to take those positions from you and and the the duties from you and put them on the people that need to do them so you can get on this movement with me. But until we do that, you need to do the stuff that you need to do and you can't complain about it. And if you want to complain about it, do something about it. So they, but, but what happened was while they were doing that, they were a little bit spiteful, not, not everybody, but there's a couple of them and they know who they are. And I talk to him about this all the time. And he's like, when are you going to stop saying this on podcasts? And uh, I want to say, I'm just beating it into you. Um, But he, he, he would throw digs. And even now friends outside of my organization would say, Hey, why don't you go do your podcast? Or uh, why don't you put out some motivational quotes? And what I did was I shifted my mind instead of giving up on my dream and giving up on my, uh, my movement, which a lot of people do because they don't feel great about themselves. Right. I turned it around. I switched it around. And every time I heard it, I used it as fuel and pretended they were saying, keep going. You're not going hard enough. Go harder. (laughs) And so like that, that worked. And what happens is, is most people, if you don't feel good about yourself, right? I'm not, the, I'm not the toughest dude on the planet. I'm not the smartest guy on the planet, but I'm going to pretend I am. And I'm going to say, hey, you're, you got this. You're built for this. You're the man for the job. I'm going to keep thinking that about myself and telling people that I am the man for the job. And what happens is, is that I have that confidence now to beat those people off of me that are trying to hold me down. And, and they're not really trying to hold me down, Rock. They're, they're, they're trying to justify themselves not going after what they want to go after really that's what i've seen yep i agree people want to belong and people want to connect and if you're striving for your goals and they don't think they can keep up with you they may try to pull you back because they don't want to be left behind and it's not really against anybody it's just their own fear of having to lean into it i think i might have said this to you before i have a group of men that we um we mastermind with and we have a saying is don't apologize for being awesome and a lot of the guys that come into that environment are really good in their own area. They're, they're a top mortgage broker like yourself, or they're a top realtor, or they're a top dentist or doctor. And, you know, they're making a million dollars a year and their neighbor's making a hundred thousand. It's hard to have a conversation around your successes when there's such a gap because the person then feels the I'm not enoughness. And my experience has been that people respond one of two ways to try to pull you back like some people or they separate away from you. You pull into your driveway with your nice car, your, your great suit, you come out of the car, your neighbor's raking his lawn, and all of a sudden he's gotta go inside for a phone call and he, and he, he separates. And yeah. after a while, you start to feel that. Why, why are people, that John doesn't come over and say hi anymore. Invite some people over, they don't come over. Because you're growing so much, it makes them feel the shame. Have you had that experience at all? Uh, yeah, I've noticed a little bit of that. And I've also noticed a little bit of me having to, uh, remove some people from my life yeah. as I'm on this mission. So yeah, I've, I've experienced all that. And you know, the other thing is that I've experienced people too, which really encourages me is rather than doing the two things you mentioned, they actually come to me for help. 
And those are the people that I'm looking and searching for, man. Those are the people that I want because I'll, I'll, I want to, I want to help build people and you can't do that for everyone. They got to want it. They got to yeah. be ready for it. Right. And I used to beat my head against the wall, trying to get information to people that, that, that just weren't ready. Yeah. And I'm doing that today. I found myself doing that a little bit today in our organization. And I, I, I got to stop myself because if they're not ready to hear it, they're just not ready to hear it. <laughs> so I'm looking well, for the people that are ready. Yeah. And it might be, you know, one or 3% of the population. And I'm a little bit like you. I'm an obsessive personality right now. I'm on 24 days of yoga and I want to tell everybody about my experience and the breakthroughs and the fact <laughs> that I can touch my toes where I never used to be able to. And I'm realizing new things in my body. I'm almost hundred percent vegan. I want to shout from the rooftops about that. But I had this one guy who came to one of my events and he's now been working out consistently, lost 22 pounds and is eating vegan like I do. And he had chronic back pain for 13 years that he thought he'd have for the rest of his life and it's disappeared. Wow. So when you get those one or 3% of people that are ready, right? When the student's ready, the teacher appears. It's so gratifying, but it is a small part of the population because we're fighting, you know, against the mind and media and all that and the cesspool of mediocrity that's out there and take a pill for this yeah. and take a pill for that. But it's so gratifying when you find those few people. What about this? Uh, have you heard this one before? Like I'll, I'll get some people that are even local in the local market here and they're like, dude, I, I get sick of your post. I mean, why do you got to post so much? Right. And I'm like, man, okay, I'm not doing it for you, brother. This is, this is like, not uh, like my mission that I'm on is not for people like you. It, it is if you want it, but I mean, if you don't want it, unfriend me, man, but yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm not going to stop just because it annoys you, pal. I mean, that's just not going to happen. So, but they just don't get it. They think that their newsfeed is like me just going into their newsfeed and they're only, that's the only person I'm trying to communicate with or something. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just funny how you see these things. Um, yeah. Well, they're reminded again of the fact that they're not going for it and they, they don't want to be reminded of that. But let's move on to today. Now you run a very successful business. You're, um, you're a passionate father. You, you have different areas of your life, but you go in. It's like, a, I like to say is that how you show up in today's activity is going to trickle into tomorrow's activity. If you're kind of mediocre and lazy in your workouts and tomorrow, chances are you're not going to, you know, bust it out like the rock and, and crush it for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So what we want to do is how do you get yourself to show up a little bit better every day in the different areas of your life? And I agree hundred percent with you. I go into my business. I'm obsessed. I'm energetic. I'm focused. I'm going to push it hard. I go to golf. I'm going to have fun and enjoy it and focus and try to get better. I'm with my family. I'm going to work on being playful and hungry and listen really well. So how do you bring more of you? What are some of the things that you can share with the listeners that allows you to continually become a better version of yourself? Well, I truly think that, you know, there's ups and downs in life. And so in order for you to understand why you got to continue to improve yourself is you have to resell yourself on what you're trying to accomplish every day. So that's why I'm so like my, I have my journals that I write in every day of what I want to do in my life, not just today, not just a week from now, but in my life, what I want to accomplish. And I physically write them down over and over again, because when I don't feel like it, it reminds me to make sure that I still do it. And so when I, uh, I write down father of the year, husband of the year, it reminds me at nighttime, I got to, I got to shut the computer down. I got to shut the phone down. I got to go, I got to go help my daughter with her homework because I I'm committed to that. 
And uh, then what I'll do also, Rock, is I'll, I'll reassess everything daily. When I lay to bed at night, the first thing I do when I lay down is I think about the day. And I literally go through this every single night. And I go through the morning until the night. And I will go through and say, I should have done this differently. I should have did that differently. I reflect. And I do that because I don't want to forget what happened that day and lose an opportunity to improve. And so then the other thing that keeps me on the, on the toes is that I know that people are watching me and everybody's being watched by not big brother, but by people around them, whether it's your kids, your husband or wife, your, your, your employees, your employer, people are watching you. And I know this in my head. I keep thinking to myself, people are watching. I can't let them down. I can't let down now because I know that they're watching. And, they're, and one, there's some people that are waiting for me to fail. Number two, there's people waiting for me to see what they need to do and how they should act. And so these are the things that run through my head constantly. And I don't know if it's normal, if I'm just crazy. I don't know, but that's what runs through my head. And that's what keeps me always trying to like, step up next level, next level, next level. Let's go. Uh, and the other thing, one thing is, is that I had a uh, 2017 and we had a company that kind of fell apart that we worked for and I had 22 employees and their families. I felt like they were on my back and I, we got complacent and comfortable and we let the, you know, there's other people that are at fault. I feel that caused it, but at the end of the day, I didn't prepare our, our group to uh, weather it. And so that feeling that I had uh, back in 2017, where I broke down in front of my wife, I'd never did that before in my life in my kitchen. And I just felt the weight of the world on my shoulders. I never want to go back to that moment again. And I don't want anybody else to feel that way either. So when I started this new company, this new group with this new company, we made sure that we uh, are always going to be leveling up, always improving, never complacent, never comfortable because we keep refreshing that feeling and remembering that feeling that that, that, that had uh, back in 2017. So those are some things I use personally. What's the best thing you do as a husband? Wow, that's a good question. Um, which, uh, man, I'm a great husband. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm a good husband. Um, I'm obviously human. I have my uh, errors, but I think the best thing I do as a husband is that when we have any conflict whatsoever, there's two things. I always forgive first, and then agree with my wife, even if I think she's wrong. That's number one because it resolves the conflict right away. Because you, you can't have two people, you can't have an argument with like one person agreeing with the other one. And then the other thing is, is what I do is I always, with my wife, I feel like she's acting up or not acting right, or she's like off a rocker. I'll go and literally look at myself and do the self-reflection thing that I do at the end of every day. And I see what I'm doing to cause it. Because I can tell you that I have not had a scenario yet that it wasn't something I was doing. Wow. Beautiful. And how about as a dad? What do you think is one of the best character traits you have as a father? Um, man, you know, that's a, that's a tough one too. I mean, I take care of the, fa you know, provide for the family, but a lot of people can provide for their families. But I think that it's just constantly knowing that I'll put up with pretty much anything to level my kids and take care of them. Like, cause I, I feel like I was given up on, right? So I don't ever want to give up on my kids, no matter what they do. I always, I might tell, tell them, listen, I'm disappointed in what you just did, the decision you just made, but you know what? I'm never going to give up on you. And I think that's one thing that I keep reinforcing with them. So they know that, you know, they're going to make mistakes, but if they, they do make a mistake that, you know, I'm always going to be there for them and have their back and pick them up and dust them off and put them back on track. So I think that's probably what I would answer that question. 
It's interesting how our pain eventually becomes our superpower. I was once ran out of money in Asia, called my dad and he hung up on me and basically said, you got yourself there, you'll get yourself back. And I remember that feeling of fear and loneliness. And just again, like you, um, anybody that comes to me that asks for help, it's almost impossible for me not to give them help because I don't want them to ever feel like I felt when you know you muster up the courage to ask somebody for help and then they slam the door in your face it's one of the most lonely feelings so that i'll never quit on you i i got that too that's pretty cool so tell us a little bit about the next five years what does that look like for you what are you going to create and how do you want to impact people you've got your what are you made of podcast which is a really cool title and it really gets to the point of you know who who are you on the inside and how are you going to show up in your life? So what does that look like the next five years for you? Right now I'm working on a best-selling New York times, Amazon book. It's not out yet. So, but I'm working on a bestseller. So uh, I'm working on that right now. And then along with that, of course, uh, I'm going to create, I have a company right now that I'm creating. It's going to be called people building Inc. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there working on sales training and business training and culture training and this and that. Well, to me, I'm in the mortgage business, but really I always talk about, we have that as our vehicle. Mortgage is our vehicle. I'm in the people building business. Since 1998, I've been building people and those that want it, obviously we talked about this already. So what I want to do is rock. I want to create a company that focuses on people, whether it's a person that's an employee, a person that's unemployed, a student, a teenager, it's all encompassing. And I want to create a, a, a program that has every single area you could think of, whether it's leadership, relationship, communication, sales, business, accounting, money. And I, and I know it's, it sounds like a big task, but if you think about Walmart has pretty much a little bit of everything, I wanna be, I wanna create this organization that has a little bit of everything and all the ingredients it takes to build a person. So the next five years, that's what I'm, I'm focused on creating this company that's gonna come out and it's gonna set the world on fire. And I'm gonna add people to it, not just myself and my team, but I'm going to look for other experts to want to be a part of this and kind of create a conglomerate of professionals that have already been successful themselves, but they want to be a part of something bigger and impacting the world. So this is something that's, uh, to me, I haven't seen this yet and uh, with anyone. And I, I think this is going to be uh, groundbreaking. What do you think are, say, the top three biggest problems that, that people need help with? Communication is number one. Communication is the biggest problem businesses have, uh, relationships have. If you look at divorces, a lot of times it's because people don't know how to communicate with each other. So I think that's a big one. And I think visions and goals uh, is, is, is the other one um, because, you know, most people don't even know what they want, Rock, let alone how to get there and how to stay consistent on their, their journey to get to what they want. So I, I would say vision, envisioning things. You could say goal setting, but in really having a clear vision of what you want. And what did you ask me for three? Yeah. Um, and then I would say commitment. So once you have your vision and you know how to communicate, how to be committed to something and stay committed to it. Because after, like, if you, I think if you really, if you have those three things right there, everything else is a byproduct of it. And it stems off of those three things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very nice. I get the feeling we could talk uh, most of the day about this. We have very, very similar backgrounds and very, very similar visions for the future. And the whole I am movement is about people 
you know, improving their communication with themselves and about getting clear on who they are, what they want, where they want to go, and then committing to an inner narrative that's going to allow them to get there. So um, I love the way you sum that up. And I love the fact that it's organic with you. You know, it's a very, it's not, it's a very thoughtful conversation with you. So I, I appreciate the fact that you're, you're that authentic. Thank you, man. Thank you. And I, I don't know, I don't know how that happens. I just, you know, it's not something that I even am intending to do. So that's, uh, I guess that's part of the organic and authenticity of it. Um, I, you know, I, I think my experience with that is that when you live it, you don't have to think about it in a canned way. I always say to people is that's why I do the push-up contest is because I consistently maintain that exercise of doing push-ups. So I have no fear around coming across somebody down the street. The chances are, I know the percentages, 90% of people I can't work out, don't work out. Right. So there's a 90% chance that, you know, I'm going to do fine with the person I bump into. And if they're going to be somebody like you and you crush me, that excites me. It yeah, excites man. me that I found somebody else that's got higher standards. And then I'm going to turn into a student and ask you questions. Well, what do you do to get to that place? And what do you think I could do better? And I'm going to get excited about that. So it's win-win for me. I can't lose. Yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. So I think Love you it. pay, you pay the practice of, of the rituals and the routines and the guardrails of success and reading and reviewing and auditing yourself so that when the question comes up, just like, well, let me think about that. Well, yeah, I do this and that's another part, et cetera. So, so that's wonderful. So thank you so much for being on our podcast, Parting Woods, favorite book for words or favorite book or something that you're currently going through. Well, first of all, I want to help people. So if you're listening to this and you want to be a part or engage with me, I'm on Instagram at, at Mikey C Rock with no case, Mikey C R O C. And you can pretty much find everything you need to know about me on there. Uh, and I have this book coming out. What are you made of? But uh, as far as my favorite book that I've read right now, um, you know, I, I, my mentor, Grant Cardone, I mean, and again, I, I'm not trying to promote him or by any means, but the 10X rule is, is something that changed my life. And I study it and analyze it and I've implemented it in my life and my business. And it's just, I know there's a, a lot of value in that book and a lot of lessons that other people talk about, but that's just a book that actually spoke to me. So um, that's my favorite. And, you know, I, I just want everybody to understand that you are great no matter where you are in life. You're great. You are. It's just a matter of what, like, what do you want out of life? And, and then take it and make yourself even greater. But don't, don't, don't think that you're not great. Beautifully said. So I just want to remind the listeners, Mike, that the words that follow, I am follow you. You've got, I'm built for this. I'm a man for the job. I'm a compassionate role model. And, you know, you also say that as you think, so shall you become. So as you have that inner narrative, create it with intention, design it in a way that excites you and compels you to move forward. And then the rest is just execution. So thanks again so much for joining us. And remember, the What Are You Made Of podcast is something you have to check out because you're going to go there and you're going to get amped up. You're going to get fired up and you're going to really appreciate some of the stories. So, Mike, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for having me, Rock. Appreciate you, brother. So that's it for today's episode of Rock Your Money, Rock Your Life. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week who posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to be Rock's private VIP mastermind guest. Then head on over to rockyourmoneyrockyourlife.com and pick up a copy of Rock's free gift so you too can reach your financial potential, enjoy extraordinary success, and live the life you've imagined. Join us 
on the next episode.